Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, 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 BA fam, it's Mandy here, and we want to wish you guys a very special Thanksgiving to celebrate the holiday and just to sort of regroup, take a pause, and look back at some of our favorite moments from 2021. We thought we would start with this amazing throwback to our guest co-host, Jamila Soufrant. Back in May, Jamila joined me, and you may have listened, but have you heard the full conversation since Jamila joined? If not, I really hope you take time to listen. Jamila is the founder of Journey to Launch, which is a platform and podcast all about helping people reach FIRE, financial independence and retiring early. I think you guys are really going to be inspired by Jamila's story of how she went full-time as an entrepreneur. She's a mommy of three. She really started building wealth when she bought her first condo in Brooklyn in the early 2000s. I hope you guys enjoy this little look back at our conversation with Jamila. Hey, BA fam, I can't believe we've already passed the halfway mark to June. How have I survived this long without my girl Tiffany? I'll tell you what, these guest co-hosts have been phenomenal. Everyone has been so gracious, so game to chat with me and open up about their financial journeys. And today's co-host, I have to say, is no different. Jamila Soufran is the founder of Journey to Launch, which if you have not subscribed, stop this podcast. Okay, fine. You can probably multitask. So go to Apple or to Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and go find her podcast and subscribe and follow. Jamila founded Journey to Launch in 2016 after she decided during her three-hour commute, yes, from Brooklyn to New Jersey to her corporate six-figure job that she was done, capital D, done. She eventually quit her corporate job after having her third beautiful child and went on her journey to retire early. It was along the way that Jamila realized, you know, retiring early didn't have to be something that was put on the back burner for 10, 20, even 30 years. She decided to build the lifestyle today that would not only help her get to a place of financial independence, but actually help her find a career in a professional platform that would fulfill her in ways that her nine to five job just never could. I hope you guys enjoy my conversation with Jamila and getting to know her a little bit better. I honestly think between the stories about her husband and my husband and her journey to motherhood and the fact that she left corporate America, I just felt like Jamila and I were talking to each other at the exact right time that I needed it. Please enjoy my conversation with Jamila. And if you haven't yet, go check her out on all social media. She's at Journey to Launch. 
And while you're at it, I have a little tiny additional request for you guys. Whether you've been enjoying Brown Ambition for the entire six years we have been on the air, or even if you just found our podcast six days ago, we would really appreciate if you went to Apple Podcasts and left us a five-star review. Right now, Brown Ambition honestly is not sitting where it deserves to be sitting I'm just going to go ahead and say it on the podcast rankings, not by virtue of downloads. We get amazing downloads from our loyal listeners. Honestly, what's hurting us right now is the lack of fresh reviews. So it only takes a couple of seconds. Find Apple Podcasts wherever you listen to your, you know, wherever your smartphone or your desktop computer is. Leave us a five-star review. It doesn't have to be long. It can be five words, 10 words, 15, 100 words if you're feeling, you know, very verbose. Leave us a review and show your love for Brown Ambition. Let's get us to the top of the charts, y'all. I know, I know, I know BA fam will not let us down. Okay, that's it for me until we come back in a brief moment with today's show featuring Jamila Souffrant of Journey to Launch. Hey, hey, hey. Everybody, I am so excited to introduce you to this week's guest co-host. I have to say this whole guest co-host situation has been a little, well, first I was a little bit nervous to have someone in the chair besides Tiffany, but it has been so amazing to talk to these, these wonderful personalities, these wonderful personal finance nerds, people who have made it their, their life's mission, just like we have to really encourage folks to build wealth and take control of their finances. And today's co-host is no different. Jamila Soufran, thank you so much for joining Brown Ambition. Hi, Mandy. This is so exciting for me, so I can't even tell you. Hey, you're finally here. <laughs> yes. Podcast sisters from afar. So tell me everything about you. Okay. So first and <laughs> foremost, I, I know I'm going to do your little intro separately, but your podcast is called Journey to Launch. What came first? Was it your was it your blog, Journey to Launch? Was it the podcast? You know, did you did you discover financial independence, retire early movement, and then launch the podcast? Tell me everything. I want to know about the Jamila origin. Well, it's like, what came first, the journey or the launch? So, okay. For me, it's always a journey is the first part of the process. I really discovered financial independence and this idea about financial freedom and just optimizing your finances because I was not happy at my job. I had a nine to five, a crazy commute and was commuting from Brooklyn to New Jersey every day. And I was doing that for Ooh. years. So yeah, in my early twenties, I, that's what I did. I graduated from school, got full-time job, and it was always a commute from Brooklyn to New Jersey. But that was when I didn't have any kids. That was when I was single. You know, it was, I, I had more capacity for that, but I always had these dreams that I'd be free. Like I was one of those kids that I grew up and I just felt like I thought differently. I I just didn't like following the rules. And so I never imagined myself working in a corporate environment forever. Like even if that was going to be the case, I was going to like be done by 30. That was my goal when I started to work full time at 22. I'm going to find a way to escape this cubicle life by 30 years old. And then life happened, started to make a little bit more money in my career, bills, and I couldn't really figure out how am I not going to work and pay for the lifestyle I want and live? Like everyone around me works until they retire. Everyone around me is not happy. So who am I to like want more? And it was really when I was commuting again in my early 30s. So now I've been working in corporate America for a while. I missed this deadline of quitting my job by 30. Now I'm 31, pregnant with my first son on this commute from Brooklyn Such to- Such a failure. <laughs> I know, I know. You should have given up. <laughs> well, I'm, you know, I'm, listen, I'm ambitious. I have that brown ambition. Yes. So, I, so I was like, okay, 31, now I'm pregnant. And this commute, usually it takes me an hour and a half, two hours, one-way driving, okay? 
This commute, one way, when I was pregnant with my first son, it was like three, four hours, no lie, of just traffic everywhere. And I remember like breaking down in the car, you know, just crying, hormones, raging. Mm. And I was like, I'm not doing this. I can't do this. So those feelings of wanting to be free really swelled up in me again. And I like, I feel like I awoken from my, this sleepwalking life that I was living. And I said to myself, there's no way that I want to do this for the rest of my life. I have to figure out something else. And so I started to, when I got home, when I got to work, you know, over the next couple months, how do I quit my job? How do I retire early? All these catchphrases that you you know, put into Google when you may not be happy with what you're doing. And Mm -hmm. I came across podcasts and blogs talking about financial independence and freedom. And I said, wait a second, if there are people out there doing this, I can figure out a way. And so that's essentially how I started to become aware of this as an option, financial independence. And then I started to listen to blogs and podcasts on my commute, which then shaped me into starting my own blog, Journey to Launch, which eventually became the podcast and brand and what I do full-time now. Okay. Wow. That was a great summary, but he made it sound like it was just like lickety split. I was pregnant <laughs> and then I had a blog and a podcast. But what year was it? I like to, I like the timeline of things. So when was this, when was this breakdown in your car? By the way, my pregnancy hormonal breakdowns usually happen during an Ed Sheeran song. Whenever Ed Sheeran came on, it, something about his ginger voice, it just really touched my soul. But anyway, um, yeah. So when was that breakdown? And then when did you actually launch the, the platform? Great question. So let me try to remember all the dates now. But I was, so I gave birth to my first in 2014. And so this would have been about 2013 at some point. And I would say this. So I told the story and it seems like I just, you know, jumped and skipped and everything worked out and it was clear. But it wasn't. I didn't start Journey to Launch as a blog until a couple years later. So, you know, I sat on it for a while because I didn't know what I wanted to do with it. And I didn't want to be like the face. I didn't know that this would be my thing, like my business, my brand. It was more, hey, I'm listening to these people do it. I'm going to start doing it myself and then let me share how I'm doing it. And so it wasn't, I think the blog officially started, I always get this mixed up, like 2016, I want to say. So it did take a couple of years for me to actually like put pen mm-hmm. to paper or is this, you know, make a blog post about it. Hey, this is how I'm going to quit my job and reach financial independence by 40. That was like my timeline. And um, I had, I was with my second kid by then. So I have three kids all together now. So <laughs> there were a lot of, you know, things that happened along the way that even encouraged me more to figure things out. Then the podcast though became the, well, the blog became the podcast officially in 2017. So mm-hmm. it took a couple of years for that to all happen. Wow. Well, from one solo, uh, I was, what was I trying to think of? Like the the people in the swivel chairs at work, you know, using the company Wi-Fi to launch your side hustle. <laughs> Like, I really, I see you. I feel you. That was me when I launched Brown Ambition. (laughs) Uh, So that's that's amazing. And you also had three kids along the way. All right. So that's your goal then to retire officially by 40. Well, okay. So here's the thing. This is the beauty of what I call the unfolding of the journey is because when I started Journey to Launch, I said, I'm going to reach financial independence, my version of it, by the way, um, which meant I didn't have to work in corporate America. I can literally choose what I wanted to do. We can live off our investments. I will say, because I don't like when people leave things like this out, I do have a husband. <laughs> he did intend to still work. He's a teacher. And so it was like a combination of him still working, but also us living off our investments and or me uh, earning money however I wanted to. But the premise was that literally if we didn't want to work or if I didn't want to work and bring in any money, we didn't have to. And then eventually, like my idea of what financial freedom and independence meant to me changed because I started to have this thing on the side, journey to launch. I had a very demanding corporate career 
was having more kids. And I said to myself, there's no way I'm not even going to sacrifice the next four years juggling this all and being unhappy. This two hour commute one way, these kids, <laughs> this job, this business on the side, something has to go. And, you know, the kids weren't going to go. The husband wasn't going to go. <laughs> and I love Journey to Launch. So it was the job. And so I actually made the big decision for uh, myself and the family that I would leave my job right after giving birth to my third child um, in 2018, which would change everything about my journey because I could have stayed working in corporate America, kind of getting this so-called guaranteed income, you know, climbing the corporate ladder and just, it's all about the money. I don't care how stressed I am. Like I'm going to make this money in this short amount of time, save and invest as much as I can. Then we reach our financial goals. And along the way, I said to myself, you know what? It's not worth it. I'd rather have a more sustained and balanced journey to freedom. So if that means making less because this business is not coming, you know, having a lot of money. You know, my husband's a teacher, so his income was not going to cover everything when I left my job. So that meant dipping into our savings and not investing. It was all worth it because for me, it was about freedom in the now. I didn't want to wait. <laughs> to me, it was like, mm. you know, some people say, oh, I'll just work this job until I'm 65 and then I'll yes. be happy. And I said to myself, well, I find myself on this path to financial independence. The one thing I didn't say is when we started out and we were both working um, in our jobs, we were able to save a lot of money because I had a high paying job. My husband was a teacher. And so we, in two years, saved and invested $169,000. Now, of course, that is a function of our income and just how kind of hard we went in the paint to do that. But I said to myself, it's okay if we don't ever do that again, because right now as a mom of going on three kids, I'm wanting freedom, finding my passion finally with Journey to Launch. I this is what matters the most, not the money. And so mm -hmm. I always say that me quitting my job and jumping into entrepreneurship full-time either has delayed the number side to financial independence, so maybe it will take longer now that you know there's no guaranteed income, anything can happen, or it can accelerate it, which I actually think it's accelerating it at this point because I am working in my strengths and passion. And I do believe that with that flow comes money, comes all the things that you do want. So yeah, my version of financial independence and how I'm getting there has changed and I'm excited about it. Manifest it. I love this. <laughs> yes. Well, okay. There's so much to unpack with what you just said, but the most, the key thing that my heart is just, you know, growing 10 times its size as you're talking is the concept of weight, like that, that, that analogy of someone who wants to you know, just thinks of themselves, okay, I'm just going to keep working. I'm just, I got this job. There's a pension in 20, maybe if you're lucky, there's a pension or, you know, you'll get your social security income. I'm just going to like keep working until I'm 62 or 65. But what, like that time isn't promised. And what I love about, you know, your, your message and what it seems like you've chosen for yourself is, you no, know, let's, let's build the life that we enjoy that fulfills us now. That also is a financially fulfilling life as much as it is, you know, a mentally fulfilling life. And then, you know, whatever happens, happens. But like, she, like, it's, it's like not waiting to be happy. It's making, it's taking risks and making decisions today to get to where you want to go, but to actually enjoy the life that you're living now. I, I just, oh, I, I, I love that. And I, and I've, that's exactly sort of how I've approached my career as well. It's like time isn't promised. Something about having a baby just makes you think of, <sighs> Yes. Death the whole the time. And I don't know, like, like what happens? Like their life is so, you know, their childhood is so short and, you know, it's, it's like, why let's not wait. Let's, let's make it happen. And, now, you know, I, I find with being a parent too, you just, you want to be, I want to be a living example of what I want for them. And, you know, I want them to be happy. I want them to be self-sufficient. I want them to be all these things in the world. And I can't really tell them to go out and, you know, follow their dreams, be self-sufficient 
if I can't do that, you know, if I'm not a walking testament to that. So that's kind of like one of my main reasons. I want to show them what's possible. So you also got invested in property. You So you, I know you mentioned you and your husband saved $169,000 or invested rather. Yeah. That's phenomenal. But I read a little bit about you. I know you and I have chatted before and I've, I've Google stalked you just a little bit. <laughs> and I know that you bought property when you were super young. Can you talk about whether like what that decision was like for you and kind of walk us through how you were able to buy property young and, you know, I don't know how many years it's been since then, but a, a chunk of time has gone by and certainly a few kids have gone by since then and how that investment is working out for you today. Yeah. So I put down my first property at 22. So it's a condo in Dumbo, Brooklyn. So anyone who's not from New York City, that stands for down under the Manhattan Bridge overpass. So it's the acronym it's for Dumbo. And it came about because one, I was interested in real estate from a fairly young age, like in my teens, because of examples in my own neighborhood and in my real life that owned real estate. Now, I got to just step back a little bit. So I am Jamaican. I was born in Jamaica, the island, not Queens, nothing wrong with the borough Queens, but I was born on the <laughs> island of Jamaica and came here when I was two years old and born to a single mom who had me at 20. And that's important to say because she had to come here first and kind of like establish herself and leave me behind at like eight months old, which I can't even imagine how she did it, but I kind of can as a mom. You know, she just had to forge and figure things out to have a better start for me. And with saying all that, we came to this country with nothing. And the eventually she, she got her education, got her college education, and then her education was really important for me you know, as most immigrants, like that is like the way, the path to something more. And so I focus on education. And while growing up, I saw my grandmother who really came like as older Jamaican woman, typically you can't really do much, you know, like other than wash, you know, clothes or uh, take care of children. Like that's what typically the older generation did. And she came to this country with nothing and ended up being able to buy a home in an area that also was like up and coming in Brooklyn. And so I kind of saw that happen. I saw how hard she worked. I saw how hard my mom worked. And so I had this idea, wow, real estate, like if my grandmother could do this with the little that she had, maybe this is something I can do. And so that was important for me to see because people ask me, how did you know at such a young age that you wanted to buy something? It was because of these living examples in my life. And so at 22, I had this really bright idea that I wanted to own a brownstone in Brooklyn. And I was really going for things like in Bed-Stuy, Fort Greene. But at the time, being 22, like I could not afford any of that stuff. And I saw an advertisement for this new development. It was pre-construction, actually. Condominium units in Dumbo, Brooklyn. So this was before Dumbo is what it is now. Like now it's like one of the most expensive places like in mm. like Brooklyn and New York City. And before, but, but back then when I was looking, it was just like a pile of dirt. There was nothing there, no development. But it was like condos raging studios from like the low 300s to like upwards of you know whatever but in comparison to the brownstones I was looking at it seemed like a deal even though it was like such a small studio apartment and so I went there with my mom and I said you know what I want I I believed in the vision that the developers had for the area and for the building and so I put down um, 10% to hold that unit while it was being built and so the property it took like two years yeah how old were you? You were 20. I was 22 when I put the money down. And I, and I always got to give props to my mom because she gave me a little portion of the 10%. And I say that's important because this woman came here with nothing. Before she even owned property, she gave me money to help me buy my property. And so that 10% held the unit. And then I had two years until it was completed to, to come up with the, the next 10% 
the closing costs and so to cover 10% my percent was so late, I'll tell you the, give me, give me the, the numbers price points. yeah so the unit was three hundred eighty five thousand dollars so ten percent was thirty eight thousand dollars and I had to we had to put down ten percent and at that point like that was like literally everything I ever had and the reason why I had any money was because I had an internship at with inroads which I'm um, put uh, minorities into fortune 500 companies and I was work I was doing that in summer making decent money for like an 18 19 20 year old for the last three years and I was a saver because my mom and grandma grandmother always taught me to save. So I had some money to save up for that. My mom also gave me money. And so that helped with the first 10%, but it was not done. Like, that's not like, oh, we have the property. We're good now. It was now you need to come up with the next 10% in two years to, you know, close on it and the closing costs. And also technically my income. So one of the saving graces was that I knew when I was graduating from college, I would get a full-time offer from the company that I interned with. So I knew I'd had like a, a job, but when I did the calculation, the my income at that point was going to barely cover like the mortgage when we calculated it. But in my head, I'm like, well, if I can save up enough, if I like save up for the next two years while this thing is being built, all my money, if I live in that home, which I was able to do with my mom, God, like I said, God bless my mother, then I can maybe have a fighting chance to like actually close on this and not lose our 10% and like live there. And then I should make more money. And hopefully this place appreciates and will be okay. And I will tell you, Mandy, like, all the stars aligned, the grace of God that, yes, it worked out because in the two years that it took to build, I was able to save up um, the additional money um, to close on it, uh, the additional 10%, and then extra to cover my mortgage because my literally my, my um, checks were like just covering the mortgage. And I will tell you this, just like the last thing about this is, you know, with the collapse of... Um, with the collapse of the markets back then. So this was like around uh, 2015, you know, when the markets, wait, what what year was it that the markets 2008. all- 2008. 2008, yes. Yeah, so the I'm housing crisis? Yeah, yeah, the housing crisis. Okay, so yeah, I need to go back further. Let's go back further. 2008, they were doing no loan doc closings at that time, which is why so many people got in trouble, right? Mm-hmm. Because they bought things they couldn't afford. I was one of those people, like if they would have checked- my salary stubs, they would have been like- I was just about to ask, how did you get this loan? <laughs> exactly, so- I'm telling you, like the stars aligned, the grace of God, all these things worked out in my favor because literally I was not really supposed to be able to close on that. But I took the risk because I said to myself, listen, like worst case scenario, like look where you come from, look where your mom's come from. Like the worst, yes, you lose like your down payment, but maybe like at the end of the day, you can sell it before you have to close on it. Like, but without any risk, there's no reward. And so I really did go into this, like almost like with everything that I had and it worked out. So by the time I ended up closing, one, I was able to close because of a no loan uh, mortgage document process. And then also it did appreciate. So I knew at the end of the day, once I moved in, like, let's just say I couldn't cover the mortgage after a while, like I could sell it or rent it out, but the real estate market had bounced back a bit. And so we were, I was in a good place and I still own that property today. And I will say that that is the riskiest, but most rewarding thing I've ever done. It's changed the trajectory. I feel of my confidence and my family's like wealth because I plan like to keep it forever. It's more of an emotional mm. purchase and I have small kids and there's not there's not too many people who look like me that own in, in Dumbo or yes. in that building. And so I'm just excited for my kids to be able to one day, you know, share it because they'll probably fight over it, but <laughs> share it in terms of maybe to live as their first starting place or maybe when they have going, to, they're going to college if they're local. So I'm excited yes. to have it. They get to be those kids that other kids hate. 
like, no. Oh, their mommy, not hate, but like, oh, their mom has a studio in Dumbo. Like, yeah. they don't have to work that hard. <laughs> I'm well, kidding, you know, but. No, no but I get true. it because somebody, and I get like, I have had, and I always like to acknowledge like my privilege in a way. Like there's a lot of things like I didn't have growing up. But I did have some privileges, and um, I think it's important to acknowledge that and see that, like, for what they are. But then I think about my mom who had nothing, and so maybe someone can't relate. They don't have a supportive parent. They don't have a parent that can give them, like, you know, a couple thousand to help with their down payment. But then I think about, like, where my mom came from as, like, literally a single mom with nothing. And I'm like, wow, like, but you can change your family's trajectory. You can do something else. And I just feel like if my mom was able to do it, not even me. Like, if my mom was able to do what she did, I'm like, you are my inspiration. I can do anything. Wow. Well, I have a soft spot in my heart for Jamaican mamas because I feel like I have three Jamaican neighbors and they like before I was a little freaked out because when I was pregnant with my son a, f- a couple of years ago, my especially one neighbor, Paulette, who I love her so much. She basically started calling him her son and <laughs> called me her daughter. And I was like, who is this nice lady? But like she is all she is. But they they just care so much. Like oh my they care and they love so that is my um, that is my shout out to all Jamaican mamas out there because and Paulette just... is such a Jamaican name too. Paulette, I love it. Is it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, she's got a whole. I should have Paulette on the show one day. She's like one of eleven. Anyway, I digress. Yay, Jamaican mamas. But no, that that's really extraordinary. And listen, and it's it's one of those things where oh, to be twenty two and to have the to have the <laughs> the, the audacity and the the bravery, the courage to make a huge decision like that. And that's just amazing. It's amazing. And you could never like recreate that time in your life before kids, before a husband, like when you are just doing things for yourself and you you just believed in yourself so much. Like you at the end of the day, that was really you. It feels like taking a bet on your own cap like your own human capital yeah I'm going to even and you were like the mortgage lender in a sense because even though they weren't checking your income like you were doing it and you knew what Mm. you were getting into and you said I know this is a sticky situation but I know me I know my prospects and I know that I can do this and you really did you took a chance on yourself in a really beautiful way yeah I mean I think this is a thing like this is why personal finance, like on paper, if you would have listed everything, all these things out, it'd be like, this is not a good idea. And I think personal finance and these decisions that we have to make, it's really about having this almost belief in yourself that even when things go wrong, because I did think of the worst case scenario. And mm-hmm. I said to myself, will I be able to recover? And I was like, I will. Like, I won't die. I do this even now when I'm, com- I'm coming up with big decisions. I'm like, what's the worst that can happen? And will you be alive still, you know, other than something outside of your control? And most likely it's yes. And so I'm able to take risk and I still take risk like this, like leaving my job, like all these things, because I'm like, I'm going to bet on myself. And I'm telling you, like, I would not be and have what I have today without obviously standing on the shoulders of my mom, obviously. And then and also just like this belief in myself and going after it. Hmm. So you mentioned your your husband, your, yeah. your husband. Your, everyone's got a husband. I call my husband husband. Listen, I, I feel like we have a lot in common just in the way that our relationships maybe have played out. But you tell me if I'm wrong. But my husband works for the government and he's always been our, you know, he likes to call himself the stable one. You know, <laughs> I'm going to keep my job. I'm going to get my pension. You know, it's very secure, his, his, his job, and he'll get his little raise every once in a while. But it's not the, you know, the way I approached my career was sort of like, I didn't think of it as like a corporate ladder. I I pretended like every three rungs were just empty and I had to skip a few rungs to get to the next one and I would just hop all over the place. And he, you know, he has been 
you know, we have very different approaches to, I would say, career and to finance, but it's been an, it's been a pretty good balance. Although there have been those times when I have the next big idea or I have, I'm going into a salary negotiation and I'm asking for way more money than he ever thought was possible. Mm. And we have these different, yeah, there's just fundamental uh, ways that we approach our finances. We're a little bit different, but it is a good balance. I wanted to ask about, you know, you and your husband's dynamic because you have this ambition to retire early and to, you know, you left your job and all of that. What was, what were those conversations like for the two of you? And was he always on board with it from the jump? Or was that something that you guys kind of had to grow into together, especially for couples who are listening or people who have partners who are listening and aren't really sure how to like match their two, uh, their two long-term plans together? This is so important because uh, he was, he looked at me like I was crazy because he is a very simple man and (laughs) (laughs) he's very easygoing, right? So, and, you know, again, when I came to him a few years ago and I'm telling him about all these stories on podcasts, I'm hearing people retiring and quitting their jobs. He's just like, really? Because I don't, what are we going to do? Like, what are you talking about? And it really took some conversations um, to get him to kind of see. And one of the things I always say with couples is like, don't like I had to show him one, the numbers, the numbers for him, even for me, like I had to believe the numbers, meaning I had to map out really, is this possible? Will I be able to one day quit my job early? How much money can we save and invest if we aggressively do this? If we cut back, if we become more optimized in our finances, how much money can we have? So I literally, when I came home and and told him the first time, he looked at me like, what are you talking about? And then over time, what I did was I didn't push him to, this is really important. Just because you come up with a realization or have an epiphany doesn't mean like your partner will. They have a, they have, they're on a whole new, another timeline. So I respected that, but also started to show him like the numbers. Like I created this spreadsheet and it showed like, if we do this, like, first of all, step back from the spreadsheet. What does a life look like now that we enjoy? And what does a life look like now in like 20 years, right? When the kids are this age and like they're at the house and we can travel. And how can we balance that now? So we started with like the dream of our lives, what they are now and what we want them to be. And then we like did numbers around it. And I showed him, well, if we do this, make these changes in our finances, save and invest this much over time, we can have, you know, over a million dollars in 20 years and we can do all these things. And that started to get him excited because instead of me just saying it and talking, he saw the numbers. And then the other thing I really was important to say was, yeah, I want to do this. So I quit my job, but also like, you know, I'm the mom, I'm my, I'm the one giving birth and having three kids. I also have the crazy commute. See my husband, his job is maybe like 10 minutes away from our house. So Mm -hmm. he also knew the pressure of just like my life and he wanted me to be happy. And so I made sure that like, not only like we were going to pursue what I wanted, like in terms of a career or quitting my job, but what is it that you want? So I definitely, we made sure to include his wants and hopes like into what we were doing. You know, I don't really care about having a nice car. We used to have nice cars, quote unquote, back in the day before kids and getting a little bit more optimized with our finances. But I was like, look, if I can, I want to buy you a car. You know, like it was things like that that got him excited. So that way we both were. (laughs) (laughs) That was my way in too, baby. I said, save for a Tesla. Let's invest for a Tesla. Yeah, let's start investing for a Tesla. It's so important because he is a little bit more like 
fancier, I would say, than me, right? Like, I'm good with kind of just like bare minimum, but sometimes fancy. He's like, if I could do it fancy all the time, I would. So talking about <laughs> it in that term um, really helped to let him know that this is a team effort. It's not just about what Jamila wants. And also, mm-hmm. like, if I'm miserable because I'm working um, and driving all this time, like, the, the whole family is not going to be, like, happy. So let's work to a place that we can get to. And so he he eventually got on board with that. But he's very easygoing and laid back. Thank God for that in terms of he pretty much trust me. We have the open conversations about it. And even when it came to quitting my job, because that was huge, like my income was more than half of the family's combined income. And so if like, it would almost been better if I was a teacher and then he had his career because then like, you know, he can kind of stay on his trajectory. But for me to walk away was like a big step because what does that look like as a family? We have three kids, we have a mortgage. Like, so we literally had to save up enough money to cover our expenses while Journey to Launch like started to, you know, become more stable. And that was scary, but we did it together. We had the conversations and it it's, it's working out so far. So <laughs> that's no, that's wonderful. I also have always been. It's it's so funny how the I'm you know, and no shade to your husband. But I always talk to my husband. I'm like, dude, you work for the government and you have the bougiest taste of like, where do you come <laughs> off with this? Like, what? He's like, I must. He has like this very specific T-shirt brand. He gets custom shirts. I'm like, I'm the one shopping in the clearance rack at H and M. But uh, same <laughs> as you, I, I, we, I was, I was earning probably like two, three x what he was earning at the at my peak earning career in, uh, you know, corporate America, so to speak. But oh, that's so that's so funny. And it's also, you know, shouts out to, shouts out to partners. You know, I don't put genders on it, but partners who are willing to. Maybe maybe they have their doubts, but they just you know have those in the shower alone. They uh, they support and they you know have faith in their partners to to really bet on themselves and to take their career to a different place. That's really wonderful that he's been supportive to you, and I I appreciate you talking about the whole the the values you know and how you as a partner. I've struggled with this too, probably a little bit more than it sounds like you did. But I was like, it was very hard for me to start to share in the values-based investing. Like, so for example, you know, I had no problem spending money on values or experiences that I particularly wanted to have. But when it came to a, you know, if it was a car or, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know, concert or something that, you know, Enrique really wanted, it was, it was like, "Mm, is that really worth it? And I had to had to learn to share in that. I was that was probably my one of the more difficult challenges for me financially and like mentally as a spouse was bringing them in and being open to, you know, their what they value and not not discounting it and making that a part of the overall plan. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's important. Just like and for me, I think as growing up without really, you know, I I didn't have a father in my life. Or I had father figures. I didn't really have a close relationship with them, and so I was. Like for me, the value-based things, like the simple, even though I say he's fancy, like the other things that he's about, which is like family and he's very grounded and supportive. Like it's like one of the first signs like I saw in him, like when we first started dating years ago, um, that I said like out of all the things I want in someone, it would be the opposite of what I knew my dad to be. And so Mm -hmm. I think whatever that is, I know some people meet people like that and they are not, they don't turn out to be this way eventually, but he, that's what he is and who he is. And so even as an entrepreneur and now, like I know like having three kids, like he's an equal partner in the house and in parenting. I still feel like I do a little bit more, but I feel like he is as much equal as 
outside of my controlling self he can be in terms of how I like things done. And it's been when people say, how do you do this? Like, how did you manage all that stuff when you were working and commuting and the kids? And how do you even do it now as like a business owner with the kids? It's like, well, because I, he's an equal partner in this. And that has a lot to do with I think how it allows me to make money and be happy and how our household lives and how we choose to spend money. So I'm proud of the fact that I chose, <laughs> I chose him as my husband. Oh, what's his name? Woody. Woody. Oh, that, what, that is adorable. Yeah. Woody. <laughs> yeah. That's really adorable. Um, so let's talk about them babies. As Mariah yeah. Carey says, mm-hmm. let's talk about the kids. So what are their ages? I have to ask. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So all their birthdays are coming up um, or have passed. So one just turned three, one just turned five, and one is turning seven tomorrow. Oh wow, three to seven. So they all still are just like attached to mama. Those and they are... don't. Yeah, they're like they don't care about anything but themselves. It's like you should <laughs> see this house like every morning. It's like oh, it's oh, crazy. <laughs> I I have seen the destruction that one tiny human can create, Jamila. I do not. Like there are days when I just want to, I close the door to the Zen Den, which is my basement. And I just come down here and I just like take some deep breaths because I just, pots and pans, Jamila, like all the utensils, dog toys. It's insane. It's never actually toys. It's like everything everything in the cabinets. And they feed off of each other. Sometimes if one wakes up before the rest, it's like, okay, we can, I can do this. And then like when they all (laughs) like get up and they're just feeding off each other, I'm like, all no. right. Okay. I got it. I got it. And I'm definitely, I was, my mom, she jokes with me because I was never like that nurturing. Like I had, I have many siblings, but my mom has, um, uh, I have a little sister and I was about 14 when she was born and I never changed a diaper. Like that's the kind of like big sister I was. So she's mm. like, now as a parent, I'm like, I need my space, but it's hard at this age because they really all just fight to give me hugs, which I love, but it's, it's a lot. <laughs> It's a lot. But I wanted to talk about that because we just were, is the pandemic over yet? I can't tell. But it feels like, so at least a solid year of pandemic life has gone by. And that wasn't that far into you launching your business. So talk to me, like what what happened in y'all's world? And I'm assuming you guys, you're not in the studio apartment. Please say no. In no, Jumbo anymore. no, okay. no, thank God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but paint a picture for me. So do you work from home? You've got the three kids at home with you. Your, your husband, I imagine, is doing virtual school at home. What has that been like? How have y'all, and congratulations for surviving it, but kind of talk to me about how did that change the dynamic of the household and your business while that was all going on? Oh, it was really rough for me. Um, so I like I quit my job right after giving birth to my third in 2018. So I would say 2019 was my first full year in entrepreneurship. So I count that as the first year, 2019 kind of. 2020 now, hello pandemic. And mm-hmm. so it was hard because I was just feeling like I was getting into the groove of being at home by myself in the day um, and working. And then so this happens and I'm just like, okay, and virtual learning. And they're all at the age where they need assistance. They're not independent. Like you can like go, go, you know, just go over there and chill kind of do your work. Um, and so it was really hard uh, emotionally, mentally, you know, the good thing about it is we did have live in help. So my aunt, bless her heart, she was staying with us and helping out with the kids. So she would help mostly with the, the baby, uh, my daughter, but the boys wanted nothing. Like they, if they know we're upstairs, they're like, I'm going to hang out with mom. And so it was really hard. Cause at first everything, I felt like more of it was on me because I, you know, I, so I had to almost like look to my husband, like we're going to take turns with this virtual stuff. Right. And so we took um, more of a shared uh, 
process uh, while he's still virtual learning him like teaching himself so because I also had work it wasn't like I didn't have work we both had work so to kind of like have that kind of shared responsibility helped and then you know the other thing that really helped me was getting back into fitness um, because I needed to get out so when I did feel safe to go take a walk and to run I started to do that and that helped tremendously because I just needed something for me um, outside of work outside of the kids outside of the husband and that definitely was helpful in my in what it is my recovery from this whole thing. <laughs> mm. I I'm I I want to get there. I I had gotten a Peloton last fall and it's been wonderful. Look at me. I just did the thing where they say if they if someone has a Peloton, they'll tell you. Yeah. Anyway, my point <laughs> is forget the Peloton. I I really got into a good exercise groove last fall and I was starting to feel so much better just mentally and physically, but then I left, so I left I started my new solopreneur path, I guess now, I don't know, a couple of months ago. My fitness routine has gone out the window. It's, I, how, any advice? Cause it's almost like not having that, that I'm going to be working from nine to five and having more of this, I build my schedule every day thing has given me this sense of, oh, I can work out whenever I want. But the problem is that I just don't do it. Like, any advice? I feel you. So the thing about this is I probably, so I used to be more fit before the kids. I was like into CrossFit, doing all this crazy stuff. Weren't I felt like, mm. <laughs> and then the kids, you know, and then I had like developed something called diastasis recti, you know, the separation of the abs that a lot of um, oh, moms Jamila. have. Yeah. So for that me. That was the stuff of nightmares that I would read about before I had my baby. Yeah. So it was hard. It. It was hard. And so I was like, at this point, I was like, gave up. I'm like, well, I feel like my body will never be back. I didn't, and I didn't expect it to go back to what it was, but something that I felt like, because I identified so much with being fit. So I would say all this because running, that's one thing I do now. And I say I hate it, but I still do it because I like the results and I like the feeling afterwards. But I have to schedule it in and I have to remember how I feel after. Because if I only think about the feeling like right before, I don't want to do it. And mm-hmm. so I give myself grace. For, so for the times where I'm overwhelmed, I need a nap, I take a nap. But for the times where I know you will feel so much better if you just go out there and even just walk. Maybe you don't run today. Or if you do go for that run, do it because you you will feel better because of it. And so for me, it's literally just remembering the joy of the afterward and the results that I'm seeing in terms of feeling better, having more energy, feeling more like my old self. Um, and I literally do look at it as like me time. Like it's what I'm doing for myself. So that's kind of what keeps me motivated. And to my husband is kind of fit. And I'm just like, I'm sorry, there's no way you're going to keep like running, working out and looking like it's bad enough. You never had to like give birth and you don't have the changes in the body. <laughs> I'm like, you're not you. going to leave me behind. Like, I'm sorry. I'm going to also <laughs> do my best for me because I want to feel good about myself. So that's kind of what motivates me. Oh, that's nice. My husband's the one who can just never gain weight, but eat all the donuts. And uh, he is like, just come have a donut. What's the big deal? I'm like, (laughs) biologically, my, I, it's, we're not the same. Get out of my face with that. Uh, (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Oh, well, I feel like this conversation has gone way too fast, but I guess we should take a break really quick and we'll come back and answer some, some listener questions. And then we'll have our special, don't forget the brown boost, brown break at the end. Be thinking about what your brown boost and brown break could be. And I will be right back with today's co-host. Jamila Souffrant.
Okay, we are back for questions. Again, you guys can reach out to us. Hit us up on Brown Ambition Podcast on Instagram or head over to our website, brownambitionpodcast.com and click Ask Us Anything to submit your question. All right, Jamila, are you ready to to shake up? Okay, sweet. All right, we have a couple of great questions from our listeners. First question comes from someone anonymous who's expecting a little bit of an inheritance and wants to know what to do with it. All righty. So they say, I have about $42,000 in credit card debt and only $5,000 in my emergency fund. Due to a loss in my family, I'm expecting an inheritance of about $15,000. Should I use that money to put a dent in my debt or to beef up my emergency savings or even try to grow it through investing? I'm leaning towards putting it toward my debt, but I was curious what you would suggest. Thank you. So Jamila, before we take this one, I have to remind y'all we are your financial girlfriends, not your financial planner. So <laughs> we're going to give you some advice. We'll give you some 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 opinions, but ultimately you have to do what's best for yourself and definitely seek out a professional financial advisor or planner or other expertise if you, you know, really want to get the best advice for your situation. Okay, disclaimers aside, 42k in credit card debt. My stomach is turning in knots. Yeah. So but this has been a wild year, and 15k from an inheritance is is not a small amount of money. What, what are you feeling about this, Jamila? Yeah. So, all right, with these questions, you know, I wish I could just like talk to the person to get more background, but I know we don't have time for that. So, it looks like the 5k things that if you're listening to this or anyone in this situation, I would ask, okay, how long does that 5k take you if there is an emergency or loss of income on your bare, bare bones like kind of budget? And so, if you tell me that can take you three to six months. Um, I don't know, depending on what that looks like for you, then I'd say maybe put another one, 2000, another like month or two on top of it, depending on how much your cash flow is like to live your life bare bones. And then I would look at your debt and then make sure you are looking at your highest interest rate debt. So you could either look at it at highest interest rate or lowest balance. But if you want to do the, be like math wise, you pay off the highest interest rate first. It's not all on one card, but it's almost like I would put a couple thousand in the emergency fund, depending on if it doesn't take you out for three to six months and then put the rest on your credit card. What do you think, Mandy? Oof, this one's hard. $42,000 in credit card debt is a lot. I mean, if you're thinking about the average APR, I mean, even if you have like perfect credit, what would it be like 17, 18, 19% is double digit credit uh, interest rate. And that that 42K, it can just balloon so quickly. And $15,000 debt, I don't really know the particulars of what happens with inheritance, how it gets taxed or not taxed. Is it 15K entirely or is it like, you know, when you get a bonus and then it becomes 10K instead of 15? But I, my, my, my gut is saying put a dent in that debt. But what concerns me most of all is the fact that, you know, you got in that big of a credit card hole to begin with and what might be like that's a, that's a pretty strong symptom that there's something off kilter in your either your cash flow or your expenses you know it's just not lining up so and without having more information i would say definitely look at you know where did this 42k in credit card debt come from what 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 caused me to to accrue this debt and this is no judgment like shit happens i <laughs> believe me um i i'm no stranger to debt myself but you know, figure out what was it. And if it was, you know, I never really had enough money in my emergency fund and maybe it was medical bills or it was an unexpected expense that 
you know, drove you to to rack up that credit card debt. That honestly, by not and not putting cash away for your emergency fund, you could just be like what I'm trying to get at is if you put that entire money toward your credit card debt and you still have a very small emergency fund, will you be quickly racking back up that debt because you don't have that that buffer of cash, you know? So I, I'm I'm leaning toward more like put put maybe half of that 15K in your emergency fund and use the other half to start chipping away at that credit card debt. But then say, okay, I'm putting this money in my emergency fund. It is on lockdown. That is for, you know, that is for my own financial security to be sure that, you know, I, my family and myself are taken care of and then get really aggressive about attacking that, that remaining credit card debt balance. Looking into options like, I love talking about debt consolidation loans. For example, you know, you can take out a personal loan through a credit union or through an online bank or something like that at a at a reduced interest rate than your how much the credit card debt is costing you. Get that all consolidated under one loan and then you have a fixed payment monthly that you know how much it costs and you also can live you know, without the the crazy high interest rates accruing over your head that would accrue with a credit card. Tiff and I talk about balance transfer cards. I don't know if you've ever used a balance transfer offer from a credit card, Jamila, or not. We didn't even talk about credit card debt, but... Yeah, I have. I have. And it's smart. And I love that you're going back to like the um, behavior and habits that got her into the debt because that, you're right, that does matter in terms of what you do with this money that you're getting now. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say like if it was if it was 15k and that was going to knock out your credit card debt and you could start from scratch, I might say, "Okay, go on and do it." But it's just such a big total and after the year we've had, I I just feel like people need to put their own safety, you know, life vests on first and and have a little bit more cushion in their emergency fund. But then listen, there's 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 no getting out of that $42,000 in debt that's not going to involve really looking at either how much you're spending or really pursuing increased earnings. So I think 2021, this new post-pandemic year has got to be the year where you really sit down and, you know, think about how can I bring in additional income to chip away at this debt? And I I don't know anything about your life. And I'm really, I, I'm sure there may be circumstances that prevent you from taking on a side hustle or, or, or whatever. This is a no judgment zone. But um, if you're capable of it, I would... I would really try to to start looking at ways to increase your income so that you can get that debt off your back and and truly be on your way toward investing, which it sounds like, you know, you're thinking about investing as well. That but, is uh, that is an amazing goal to have, but um, it's 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 difficult to get there when you also have such a huge you know credit card debt balance at the same time. Yeah. Last thing I'll add on this is that you know I'm not a fan of overthinking. Sometimes we can paralyze ourselves with like doing. So much research, we don't do anything, but don't think that as soon as you get the money, you have to make an instant decision. I I love that one, you're like listening to this podcast and you're sitting in the question because that means you're aware, you know, you you, you are doing the work up front, but don't be pressured into having to make a decision right away. Continue to think about all the things that Mandy and I just said, but make a decision. I do think you should, but don't rush to do it. Yeah, that's... It's, it's important too. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's not like that money. You can just clunk it in your savings account and see how that feels for a bit um, while you're figuring out how to how to tackle that credit card debt. Um, just don't, you know, I mean, the one thing I would say don't do is maybe don't buy Bitcoin with it. <laughs> would that, that would buy like a third of a Bitcoin these days. I don't know. All right. Well, I hope that this was helpful for you. Thank you so much for leaving us your question. Again, y'all hit us up at Brandon Mission Podcast on IG if you have more questions for us. 
Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, BA fam, our fellow entrepreneurs and creatives, this message is sponsored by Squarespace. It is the ultimate toolkit for crafting your online presence. With Squarespace, it's really about more than just building a website. It's about shaping your online identity and making your mark. So say goodbye to checkout headaches with Squarespace's flexible payment options. From credit cards to Apple Pay, they've got you covered. And if you live in an eligible country, they offer buy now, pay later options with Afterpay and clear pay, which means that your customers have even more ways to purchase your products. So head over to squarespace.com and kickstart your journey with a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, don't forget to use our link squarespace.com slash brown ambition to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Just visit squarespace.com slash brown ambition to get your discount today. Remember your online success story begins with Squarespace. So what are you waiting for? Let's build something extraordinary together. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. All right, BA fam, you know, we work hard and we play hard. But when it comes to investing and having your money in the market, you want your money to be working for you. That's exactly what the Betterment automated investment and savings app can help it do keeps your money out there working hard and kicking you know what, I love Betterment because it makes it easy for even a beginning investor to figure out how to put their money in the market and set it and forget it and be at peace with that because you know Betterment has got you covered with their automated investment and savings app. Their technology is going to give you advanced tools that are built to help you maximize those returns. All you got to do is visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk. Performance not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. All right, Jamila, it is the time we've all been waiting for. It is the all-important Brown Boost Brown Break at the end of the show. What are you going to boost or break today? (laughs) I'm going to break the expectation that we, as women or leaders in our family who are in this role, have to do everything. (laughs) I think Mm. um, our lives, just waking up by yourself, even if you don't have kids, okay? It's like life is hard, okay? And so I think this pressure on us to be perfect moms and to be fit and to, you know, know, to send all the thank you notes and have just all these things, I think we need to really rebel against and know that you're doing okay the best you can. And so it's really important to prioritize yourself and be selfish. And I know that sounds crazy, but 
for some people, not anymore. It used to sound crazy to me, but I know that if I am happier, then everyone else in my family is happier because I can give more. And so I want to break the expectation that we have to be everybody to everyone else and we need to be what we need for ourselves first. I love that. And I feel like that is that message and that thought process is so evident on your social media. I really love following you because I feel like it's so positive. So if you guys don't follow Jamila yet, go to follow her you, twice. First, <laughs> follow her at her personal handle, Jamila Soufran. And then second, go follow her at Journey to Launch on all social media platforms. It just feels like, yeah, it's a breath of fresh air. And, and thank you for that positive message. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, let me end the show with a quick boost myself. We just celebrated the first official Juneteenth holiday on the federal calendar. It happened so quick. And I know that there was, I don't know how you feel, we don't have time to get into it, but there are some feelings about Juneteenth. Is it enough? Is it not enough? But you know what? I decided, of course, there's still so much work to be done. This is not it. You can't just give us a holiday and then call it quits. But I'm like, for one thing, we got something in the summer, y'all. Like, it's not the dead of winter. That's nice <laughs> to have mm-hmm. some, a, a chance to celebrate uh, to blackness. And so what I decided to do this weekend was uh, we, the weather was going to be okay. So I threw a last minute barbecue for my neighbors. And just in, in my neighborhood is, like I said, we have a lot of diversity. Mostly it's like a largely black neighborhood here in, um, in, uh, in my county outside of New York. And I just invited the neighbors over. I got a big ass cake that said Juneteenth Freedom Day on it. We made burgers and hot dogs and it was just a, I don't know, it was just an opportunity to just come together as a community and to to heal a little bit from the trauma, the trauma of a lifetime, but especially this past year. So I just wanted to say, you know, unapologetically, you know, celebrate these small pockets of positive time that we've been given. And if Juneteenth is an opportunity to do that, I would say do it without apology. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was really beautiful and the work continues. You know, we still got to fight for voting rights and police, uh, poli- law enforcement reform, and all of the things. But you know, it was it was a nice opportunity to just sit back and just celebrate ourselves. And if I can add something there, I'm with you, Mandy, on that. We need to lean into joy and choose joy, mm-hmm. especially for um, those of us we have little ones watching us. And so for me, you know, my, we've been celebrating birthdays all for the last six weeks since they're all like kind of lumped up together. And so we went and we had fun. We went to Coney Island and I'm just like, we deserve joy. We deserve rest. Mm-hmm. And we deserve to know we we can also earn money and be good with money and have the freedom we want with and without money. I know money is the baseline. I know that. But, you know, there's so much other untapped um, currency in our relationships and enjoy. So let's lean into that. I love that. Well, Jamila Soufran, Journey to Launch, thank you so much for joining me in the co-host chair. I hope it was fun. Oh, this was so amazing and exciting. I, I'm, I can't believe I'm like, you know, Tiffany, like I got a chance to like kind of step in for her because, you know, I love her and you. So this was awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Well, best of luck with the as the journey continues. And thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. 
purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets Podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.